Winners, losers, and everything in between in the Pac-12 from Saturday and Friday night's full slate of games. There's at least one team in every category. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view for watching on YouTube of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Keep liking, commenting, subscribing, sending your questions in here to the show. Appreciate all of you for supporting it, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, helping you find the candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash College. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I love a good full slate of football in the Pac-12. It is a really great thing. I'm recording this on Sunday morning. And let me tell you something. It was quite an interesting day, but at the same time, eh, you know, it's about the way we expect it for the most part. And it's Monday, which means we are doing winners, losers, and everything in between. Every single category has at least one team, all but one, have uh, multiple. So let's start with the positives. Let's start with the fan bases who should be in the best mood. And I call this the winners and losers segment, but maybe it should be a fan base mood checker or kind of a fan base mood determiner, I suppose. That's kind of how it's uh, it's treated here, but call it whatever you like. The biggest winner from Week 10 in the Pac-12, the Washington Huskies. You get it done at home. The wind was swirling. I thought this would be a field goal game. It was. I thought it'd go in the other direction. Oregon State went for it on fourth down a couple times. Didn't trust their kicking game, whether that was the win, whether that was the kicker, whatever the case may be. Washington got this done, and now they will go into a rivalry game in Eugene this Saturday, which is by far the biggest game of the week in the Pac-12. They should be. We don't have the college football playoff rankings yet, but in all likelihood, they will be in the top 25. They're 7-2. and two. They just beat a top 25 team. Yes, it was at home, but it was not favorable conditions for them because they want to throw the ball around. And you know what? They did not play a perfect football game. They did not. Neither did Oregon State. I thought Oregon State made a couple of questionable decisions from a coaching perspective in that game. But the biggest difference on on Friday night in Seattle and what was a great game. I mean, it was not high flying and high scoring. It was a little crazy. The power went out, for goodness sake. We went from Pac-12 after dark to Pac-12 in the dark. Yeah, that was just something you might have expected. A Friday night in the Pac-12 with crazy weather between two good teams that are on the rise in the conference. Washington gets it done. And the thing that most impressed me about Washington is contrary to how they've won early in the season, they are now winning in a different way. Because early in the year, what we saw is they're just going to outscore you. And their defense will be a little porous, and they're not going to you know, put up a, a stout effort on that side of the ball. And they're just going to go out there, and Michael Penix is going to throw for three or four or one time 500 yards, and they're just going to win the game offensively. But what was impressive to me about Washington in this game is that The wind was making it hard to throw the football. Uh, I mean, Ben Goldbranson is a backup. I think we saw his limitations. He's been serviceable as a fill-in starter for Chance Nolan while he gets back from a concussion. And Oregon State may very well win that game if Chance Nolan is there. But maybe they don't. We're not going to know because he didn't play. But 
it's a question Oregon State fans are asking themselves. But at the end of the day, what you had in this game was the quarterback position and the difference in talent there is why Washington was ultimately able to prevail. But this wasn't a shootout game. This game is 24-21. They went on the road and beat a Cal team that is not very good, but is also not a complete and total disaster. USC learned that on Saturday night. More thoughts on that coming later in the show. So back-to-back games now, the Huskies, have won by one score, and they've scored less than 30 points. And if you're a Washington fan, that's a really good sign. Because Kalen DeBoer, what he showed at Fresno State, and what he's shown his entire time really with Washington, is he's been an excellent in-game manager. And the Arizona State game, I know it went the other way. Defense couldn't get any stops. Okay, you had a bad game. You had an unfortunate play. But Kalen DeBoer being able to win as a coaching staff more than one way is the mark of a good and certainly rapidly improving football team and football program overall. Because if you're a one-trick pony and you can only win if you're just going to go there and you know outscore your opponent, you're going to look a little bit like Arizona, right? If they can't get into a shootout, then Arizona doesn't have a great chance to win. But Washington's defense in this game did so many things well. And I know they're going against a backup quarterback, but Oregon State was moving the ball at will early in the game. And then the Huskies' defense really, really tightened the screws. And they were mighty impressive. Their front four committed a couple of penalties, but they were also getting enough pressure on, on Ben Goldbranson, creating enough havoc, and the secondary did enough a, as well. And, and remember, one of those touchdowns was a pick six. So an opening drive score, and then the Oregon State offense held to seven points the rest of the game. They got some help from Ben Goldbranson, to be sure. But that's the most impressive thing for Washington there, is the fact that they didn't have to go out and score 35 to 40 points in order to win the game. That's a really good spot to be if you're a Washington fan going into this game against Oregon on Saturday, which will probably be closer to a a shootout, but more on that will come later in the week. The other big winner of the week is the other team in that same state, Washington State. Now, I thought they were going to win. I thought they were going to cover. So why should their fan base be in a better mood than I thought? Because there's the offense that you've been waiting for. Does Stanford have a good defense? No, not really. They kept Arizona State in check. They kept Notre Dame in check. But for the most part, those are not the best offenses in the world. But this was not just a good performance from the Washington State offense. That's a game that, if it's played as the conference opener, if that if that particular game on the road I know Stanford doesn't have a great home environment, but if Washington State wins 52-14 to for their first conference game of the year, they would be inside the top 25 because it was that kind of performance. I mean, this was never close. This was never close. And Cougars fans, I think rightly, have been waiting for the offense to kind of arrive, to show up, to have that game. They had a good showing against Oregon, but you know they, they had a defensive touchdown and a garbage-time touchdown, but the offense was overall good in that game, certainly good enough to win, and the defense was not. But here your defense played the same way it has in the prior few weeks, and then the offense finally shows up. They're finally able to run the football, and what do you know? They put up 52 points. That was the biggest surprise to me of the weekend. Dave and I were talking about it on, on Friday's show in the Pac-12 Prime Picks. I liked the Cougars to win and cover. I did not think they were going to cover the over on their own. I thought the under was a great bet. I was floored, absolutely shell-shocked 
I've missed picks. I've missed lines and numbers and stuff before. I am so surprised that that game played out the way it did. Stanford's offense, right where I thought it would be. But Washington State's offense, if that's a sign that they're turning a corner, I thought when they were at 4-4 four and four going into last week, they'd be 3-1 and one down the stretch and end the year at 7-5. and five. I still like that prediction quite a bit. They're sitting at 5-4. and four. They're back at home this week against Arizona State now. They've got a lot of momentum, and they're going up against another pretty porous defense that just allowed 50 points at home to UCLA. Now, the Bruins have a great offense, but the Cougars are playing up in Pullman. And now if you're Washington State, the idea, if you play like that, the notion of going 4-0 and down the stretch and ending the season 8-4 and kind of seems like a possibility. It's not a given. I think Arizona State will be an easier game than playing at Arizona, but you've got Washington at home. A lot of good things to be feeling right now if, if you're the Cougars because they've been waiting, I think, for this game. And it was finally there, and it was mighty impressive. Even against a Stanford team that is not very good, though they beat Notre Dame, who just kind of thrashed Clemson, though Clemson was overrated. But still, you'd consider Clemson in a class and transitive property, yada, yada, yada. That was a great game for Washington State. Those are your two big winners of the week. What about everybody else? There are 10 other teams that played in the Pac-12, and everyone gets a label, as always, here on Locked on Pac-12. Tell you about those after I tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. Every new hire these days can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Go in there, post your job. You create a free job post, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you are hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, I'm going to take a sip of my peppermint tea here. One moment. And yes, those of you watching on YouTube, may the force be with you. I do drink peppermint tea out of a Star Wars mug pretty uh, pretty regularly. So let's keep going. And uh, we're starting high. And we're going to go uh, down the list here and uh, go to our lean win department. The Pac-12 Prime Picks, 2-1 and one this week, a winning week. Uh, I let my friend talk me off the ledge on a Cal. Uh, thoughts coming on then here in uh, just a moment. But 2-1, and one, good to see. Got Washington State. Got um, Oregon State plus four and a half. They lose by field goal. I thought they would win outright, but that was a that was a tight game. Played out pretty much how we how we expected it to when we were talking about it last week. And uh, yeah, not a not a great sight for Oregon State fans to be on the losing end of that score. Uh, and then I flipped on 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 USC because I thought they would I thought they would be able to pull away and just score a bunch of points. And they did score a bunch of points, but uh, the defense hmm, questions. So also in the lean win this week, Utah. That's a good Arizona offense. I, I'm not saying Arizona is a good team, but that is a good Arizona offense. And you held them to 10 points in each half. That's 20 total for those of you math majors at home. The offense is playing well. And here's the thing with Utah. They lose their second game of the year and take themselves out of the college football playoff conversation. But they're still in the Pac-12 championship conversation. And they're just slowly just building, building, building. They're at home again this week against Stanford. That should be an easy win. And then they go on the road next week to Oregon. Now, this is the last time I'm going to bring this up here on the show until it uh, until it comes up. But so 
a number of people were confused, and I got to give credit here to Chris Trevino at, uh, I think it works for 24-7, covering the Trojans. He had a piece talking about his interpretation of the tiebreaker rules. I know, we're bringing this up again. It's just a really quick thing, but it's also very important because a lot of people were confused. And Chris had an interpretation the way that I did, which is that if Utah were to win out, they would not be in the Pac-12 championship game. However, that is not the case. And this was confirmed because everyone was, a lot of people who cover college football were asking questions, wondering what the rules were. They went to the conference, reached out and asked about it. And this is now the official word, final word on it before, you know, we maybe get to tiebreaker scenarios down the line. But Utah winning out gets them into the Pac-12 championship game because that tiebreaker, or sorry, if they have a, a situation where it's Utah, USC, and Oregon. Now, the three-team tiebreaker that I talked about before does apply and would seed Oregon above Utah even if US even if Utah were to have that head-to-head. But it would not exclude the Utes from the conference championship game altogether because in this hypothetical, UCLA would have a second conference loss having fallen to USC. But then the head-to-head would apply to Utah putting them over USC because the tiebreakers reset once you seed one team ahead of the rest of them. So long story short, if USC and Utah win out, then Utah gets into the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon, assuming they went out. But the Ducks have now three really tough games, two of them at home, which is good news for Oregon, but they have a lot of tough games coming up. But I, I wanted to clarify that because I was doing some digging and it's been wildly confusing, but that is the word with people who confirmed it at the Pac-12 that the tiebreaker resets once you have one seed uh, set above. And I mean, it doesn't really matter what seed you are because you're playing in the same stadium and so, uh, and yada, yada, yada. But anyway, Utah, if they win out, if they keep winning, they can get into that Pac-12 title game. I still think they're a good team and they're going to have a lot of momentum going into that game against Oregon. So Utah just continuing to pile up the wins, play solid football, be very quiet. I think that's where Utah is kind of at their best, right? That's where they've been at their best over the years is when they are just kind of flying under the radar and, and understanding that, you know, they're not going to have all the attention in the world on them, but they don't right now because they're out of the national college football playoff discussion, but they can still win the Pac-12. Another team in the lean win department this week, Cal. But Spencer, they lost. Yeah, but this is not just a direct reflection of whether or not you won the game. I'm looking for trends and things to take away from the game. And the Cal Bears go in the lean win category this week because... The defense wasn't able to slow down USC. I know that's got to upset Justin Wilcox, who's a defensive coach. But the offense was there. The offense was there. Turned it over just one time that proved to maybe be the difference in the game. But they just kept hanging around. They were just pesky. They were just annoying. They were just a thorn in USC's side, just going jab, jab, jab. Jack Plummer went for over 400 yards. That's a season high for him with, with the Cal Bears. If the offense can continue to play like that, Oregon State can't sleep on them this week. And Cal is usually good for one big upset in a season. They're usually good for one. They don't play Utah. They do play UCLA. They already played USC and Oregon, lost to them. They weren't able to knock off Washington. 
Kind of feels like they could be close if the offense keeps playing like that because you know the defense will make enough plays, especially when you're not going against USC, and Caleb Williams is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So uh, two teams and then the Pac-12 prime picks in the lean win department this week. No opinion, meaning they did not alter my expectations of them going into the week that I had or changed my perception of them now after the game. Start with the Oregon Ducks. They went in. They won 49 to 10. My game prediction was 52 to 10. So that's right about where they should have been. No opinion. UCLA. I almost put them in the lean lose because they're off or because their defense did not play very well in this game, but their offense was in top form. They put up 50 points on the road. And I, I thought that was, you know, kind of trap game extraordinaire. I think it played out that way. UCLA was up, but then Arizona State just started crawling their way back into it. Trenton Borgay continues to be rock solid at quarterback for the Sun Devils and interim head coach Sean Aguano. But I think when you look at what the Bruins did here, it's one of those games that you'd like to see your defense play better, but your offense has that next gear to where they just cannot be stopped and they put up 50 points on the road. I don't care who you're playing. You put up 50 points on the road, except Colorado. If you put up 50 points on the road against an Arizona State team that is not very good, as we know, but not a complete and utter disaster like Colorado kind of appears at the moment, then, yeah, I think that's uh, that's good enough for, for no opinion. I also have no major opinion here on Arizona State because they put up a good fight. They scored some points, but they allowed too many points, and they're the same team. Now they're going to go on the road and probably lose in Pullman uh, to Washington State on Saturday. Colorado. Got blown out by Oregon. Everybody saw that coming, right? I mean, that's just what you unfortunately expect from the Buffs at this point. And Arizona, I, I, I almost had them in lean-lose, but I, I think on the road against Utah, I, I still give Utah, or Arizona rather, the benefit of the doubt with regards to their expectations on a weekly basis. I thought they would lose all their games in in this horrible, horrible stretch, and they have so far, and they get UCLA this week. I think they will fall again on the road. But then they'll have uh, a couple opportunities to get wins after that. But, uh, you know, it's it's not going to be easy for the Wildcats. But they're rebuilding, and I don't expect them to put up a fight with, with Utah. Not in Salt Lake City, where the Utes are unbeaten this year and are probably going to uh, remain that way. All right, a couple teams fall into the lean-lose category, and then there's a big loser of the week. And I, I think, I suspect the fan base that um, is in that outright loser category and is not feeling very good here on Monday morning and won't be all week until they can get another win on the schedule. I think that fan base knows who they are. You might know who they are too, because, well, yeah, it just, it was disappointing. And in an alternate reality, it was not that disappointing, but in this particular reality, it really was. I'll tell you who that team was after I tell you about Bet online your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season find all the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth analysis on every game and as always bet online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events including major league baseball mma boxing and my personal favorite golf go mariners by the way forever and always head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts All right, so a couple of teams in the lean-lose category. I've got USC here, because why was that game close? Why was that game close? They were blowing them out. 
and then they weren't. And the offense right now, there's a concern there, but the biggest concern here for USC is defensively. And I remember hearing early in the year, USC's defense is great. USC's defense is amazing. I said, well, I don't know how sustainable this is because they're forcing three and four turnovers a game, and that's not a reliable way to actually stop teams from moving the football. Well, here we are. The laws of averages are playing out. USC's turnover margin is still incredible, but the offense is as much responsible for that as the defense. Because the offense just doesn't turn the ball over, which is a credit to Lincoln Riley and that entire staff. They're doing an amazing job. They haven't fumbled this year, and Caleb Williams has one interception. Turns out you can win a lot of football games when you are plus 17 in the turnover department. But defensively, they forced just one turnover, and they had to at home against Cal as three touchdown favorites. They had to ice the game with a third and five run from Caleb Williams, that's not what USC was supposed to do in that game. I thought they would go the other way. My initial reaction was, ah, oh, Cal muddy it up, but then I thought, nah, that Cal offense is just, they've been too inconsistent. They haven't been very good. And on the road, Jack Plummer went for 400 yards. 400 yards. I'm not saying it's doomsday for USC or they can't get to the Pac-12 championship game. But as you look ahead, to a couple weeks from now, and that showdown with UCLA, if you can't stop Jack Plummer at home, how are you going to stop the Bruins and Chip Kelly and DTR and all the weapons that they have? They put up 50 points against Arizona State. They didn't even have Zach Charbonnet play. I don't know what was going on there. It might have been an injury. I I, I don't know. Everyone was kind of caught off guard by Zach Charbonnet not playing. But the Bruins didn't even need their All-American caliber running back to put up 50 points. So if you can't stop Cal at home, how am I supposed to sit here and feel confident about your ability to get stops in key situations on the road against a UCLA team that has one of the best offenses in the country? I don't know. I I, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel that way. USC won the game. They avoided a complete and utter disaster, which would have been removing them from probably the Pac-12 title conversation and certainly the college football playoff had they been upset by the Bears here. But that is not a showing that I'd feel great about if I'm USC. Now, offensively, they put up 41 points, which is never bad. I I can't come on here and honestly say, oh, no, the offense wasn't actually very good. No, they put up 40 points on a solid defense. That was a good performance. Here's what I worry about with USC. And maybe it's because Jordan Addison isn't there. They have a lot of weapons. Michael Jackson, Taj Washington, Travis Dye is great at running back. But Lincoln Riley can get anybody and everybody involved. But they feel very Caleb Williams dependent. And as long as Caleb Williams is there, that's of course fine for the most part. But when you're very dependent on one player, like if he's struggling, Do you have a secondary pitch? Do you just have the 99-mile-an-hour fastball, or do you have a good slider, too? That's what I I question. The running game has been sufficient. It's been there. And USC survived that game at, at Oregon State and was able to escape, which maybe should give Trojans fans some confidence in that realm. But Caleb Williams is doing a lot for this offense. He's making ridiculous plays to move the ball, to keep drives alive, to avoid sacks. He's doing absurd things. And maybe he can do that for the rest of the season because he's that caliber of player. But I just wonder if, in a big game, if you're relying on that sort of remarkable, incredible play to move the ball, to make plays, is that going to be 
sustainable. Questions I have there about USC. Maybe they're answering. Well, I don't know if you can get a lot of answers this week. They have Colorado at home on Friday. Caleb Williams probably won't even play the entire game. That'll be a big, big, big score for USC's offense on uh, on Friday night. But Trojans, I, I think you have to ask serious questions there on both sides of the ball. Doesn't mean you can't answer them. Does mean that they should be asked. Lean lose Stanford at home. Like it's one thing if you get torched on the road defensively to you know in Oregon, but that Washington State offense has been hit and miss with plenty of miss this year, and you allowed 52 points at home. Really, really? That I mean, that's just if you allow 50 points in your home stadium. Maybe that's why Arizona State and Stanford played such a close game a couple of weeks ago or last week. I don't remember. Everything's blurring together at this point uh, because both allowed 50 points on their home field. Yeah, that's just not a good place to be. That That's almost outright loser territory, but I don't hold Stanford in very high esteem and their chances of getting to a bowl game are now slim to none. And so I thought they could get to six and six. They could beat Cal. They could beat BYU. But they're not going to beat Utah on on the road this week. So five and seven now the best that the uh, the Cardinal could finish here in 2022. And finally, this is going to be a tough one, Beaver fans. But um, after being the only outright winner after last weekend on a bye, getting in the top 25, yeah, Oregon State the biggest loser in the Pac-12 this week. Does it hurt to not have your starting quarterback? Yeah, there was a clear talent difference, and the the biggest. Determining factor in this game was third down defense. Oregon State couldn't get off the field on third down, and Michael Penix and offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, they were really good on third down. No other way to put it. That's what decided the game. The Beavers had really what you would want with a backup quarterback on the road against a good Washington team. The game was tied. You had 430 left in the game, and you had the Huskies pinned inside their own 10-yard line. Defense has been carrying you. Defense has been what's gotten you to this point with a backup quarterback for the last three weeks. And they couldn't get off the field. There was no pass rush in this game. There was negative pass rush in this game. Penix was sitting back there with a hot cup of cocoa because the winds were swirling and he wanted to keep his hands warm. And, you know, once he once he did that, took a sip, popped a marshmallow in his mouth, then he threw the ball downfield. He had way too much time to throw. And the secondary, I think, played about as well as they could have, save for, you know, one of the weirdest-looking coverage busts I've ever seen. Third and goal from the 25. Yikes. That was a tough moment to watch if you're an Oregon State fan. No other way to look at it. And that's just, that can't happen. Trent Bray has done a marvelous job on that side of the ball. I have no idea what he was calling there on third and goal from the 25. You take four guys, you stand them on the goal line, you have everybody else, you know, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. He's up there showing linebackers, blitzing in the A-gap. He's got press coverage in the slot. What are you doing? You can give up 15 yards. You can give up 20 yards on that play. And Washington settles for a field goal. But the one thing you couldn't do was let someone get behind you. You got to plant guys on the five-yard line or the goal line and say, Complete it in front of us. Come make a tackle. But the Oregon State defense that had been so good, their secondary is awesome. They played amazing. But you can only cover on the back end for so long. You got to find a way to get pressure. And Trent Bray was trying. He was trying over and over again. 
Four-man rush, stunts, twists, blitz packages. It didn't matter. Washington's offensive line was putting on an absolute clinic of how to keep your quarterback upright. The running backs were making great blocks. The tight ends did their job. But Oregon State, you had a chance to win that game. It is the biggest game of Jonathan Smith's tenure, bar none. This is the biggest game for the Beavs in about a decade. You're into the top 25 for the first time in nine years, and you have a chance to beat a good team on the road in tough weather conditions. And they came up short. And they are the only outright loser, in my view, this week in the Pac-12 because that's just a bad feeling. Oregon State fans, probably not very happy this morning. And frankly, they shouldn't be. Because I think the coaching... In just a couple key spots. And when you get into a tightly contested battle, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to key situations. Third downs, red zone, turnovers. That's usually what decide games between evenly matched teams. And Oregon State was just not good enough in certain situations. I thought they should. I understood going forward on fourth down the second time because the wind was swirling and it was longer. But you have a chance to take a 10-0 lead on the road in the first quarter. You got to take the points. Jonathan Smith, you've got to take those points. And I think that game plays out differently. The mindset for Washington is differently. They just let them hang around for too long, and they couldn't execute in key moments. And it sucks for Oregon State fans. I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it any other way. That is not a good place for Oregon State to be. Washington, top 25. Good vibes. They led my show today for a reason. They're the biggest winner, even more so than Washington State because they will be in the college football playoff top 25 going into a rivalry matchup with Oregon. But Oregon State, they had a real chance there. They had a real chance. And now you look up and say, boy, eight wins is now probably the best you can get to in the regular season. And nine, dare I say 10, was on the table. Kind of feels like that's a much tougher goal now for the Beefs. Still a lot of football to be played. Beavs will still get to a bowl game this year. Could still have a good season. It's not all loss, but that was a gut punch. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time, and have a wonderful rest of your day.